Hello everyone. Welcome to the first ever podcast of National Space Society USA Mumbai. I'm Sarvik Mukherjee and I'll be your host for today. Our special guest of honor today is Mr. Boris Otter. He is the president and founding member of Swiss Space Tourism and an aviation and space tourism expert. Mr. Boris, if you would like to say a few words about yourself please. Yes, uh, with pleasure. So good evening uh, India. I'm speaking now live from Geneva in Switzerland and to give you a few words of introduction of myself uh, let's say like this uh, I am 52 years old I'm married uh, with three kids I'm a former professional fireman and uh, I left this totally uh, great job uh, because I had the passion for aviation so I uh, decided to become an airline transport pilot which uh, happened in 2002 Unfortunately it was during uh, this uh, events in New York during the 911 and uh, it was more difficult after for young pilots to find job anyway i became an airline transport pilot uh, qualified i passed also my helicopter pilot license seaplane pilot license uh, in canada and gyrocopter so after flying everything almost that was uh, possible to fly uh, from ground I was looking upstairs and I was thinking uh, what is better than space nothing else so I decided to go direction space and now my next big dream it's to be uh, the second uh, Swiss citizen to fly to space during a suborbital flight Thank you Mr Boris we all hope that your dreams become a reality well now let's dive into your journey as you mentioned back in 2001 when you were a professional firefighter and decided to quit your job to follow your passion in aerospace how did you feel about the major step and what motivated you to do it well that's correct it was actually i had a very good job i mean a professional firefighter was a very interesting a good salary with a plan of career everything was made up for me to this job but i had a real passion for flight for aviation and it was my my big dream actually but um, unfortunately uh, i was short sighted you no know, i was wearing glasses like you and uh, the minimum to become an airline pilot were not reached uh, with my eyes so i i could not become a pilot but the regulation changed and uh, in 2001 i knew that i was able to go and to medically pass the visit to become an airline pilot so i made this big decision which was to leave my actual job to resign officially to start a one and a half year months training of airline pilot license and normally to get the job at the end so first i had to pass medical visit second i had to pass the admission test mathematics physics english psychotechnique it was a lot of uh, test to pass which i did and last point uh, was to find the finance to pay for my license because uh, the cost were around 100000 us dollar to finalize an airline pilot license so actually i uh, i got all these three points uh, uh, done and i decided to make the step so it was a big step because i did not know if i was uh, able to reach my uh, pilot license because it was in english and i'm french speaking i mean it's not my mother tongue so i had to work a lot and very hard in order to succeed but at the end all was okay i passed all my exams all was good the situation in 2001 2002 
became totally different because of a World Trade Center attack in New York. And the main company of Switzerland, which was Swissair, uh, made uh, bankrupt. So the company I was flying for was Crossair. They took over the rest of uh, this company, Swissair, but they fired 600 pilots, meaning that for young pilots like me, with uh, 500 hours of flight time, it was not possible to get the job. So I managed to work in aviation in all different uh, domains. I was working for airlines, international, for business aviation. I was also flight dispatching uh, the aircraft uh, to make all flight plans for the pilot and the crew. And I worked at uh, Geneva Airport also. So really, I saw uh, almost uh, everything connected aviation. And after I had this idea to, to become a commercial uh, astronaut, because I was thinking it's a, it's a good step, but I think it can be one of the next question. Absolutely. That question is indeed coming up. Your journey is very, very inspirational to all of us. You had to make many tough choices in tough times. Our next question for you is, what made you choose space tourism? What was your main motivation behind it? The first thing uh, was that during my pilot training, I was also an aerobatic pilot, meaning I was making uh, loops, uh, inverted flight, uh, I was flying zero G, positive Gs. I, I was flying aircraft in all conditions. And uh, I liked so much this uh, feeling uh, to make uh, a little parabola like this and to have five, six seconds of zero G in command of my aircraft that I was thinking, why not to make it longer? You know, I, I was watching uh, astronaut uh, in International Space Station and thinking, wow, this is something that I want to try to make it more than five, six seconds. And my idea of uh, getting close to space was uh, in 2013, the idea was to rent the Iushin 76 uh, aircraft, which is an aircraft that is used to make parabolic flights for cosmonaut and astronaut training in uh, Star City in Moscow, but I could not do it alone. It was 14 places available. So I decided to look for 14 people to fly with me. And the price was uh, quite expensive. I mean, it was around 6,000 euros to make uh, one ticket uh, for one person, 6,000 euros. So I could find six, seven people who were ready to pay this amount, but I could not get uh, 14 people. So my project somehow uh, was not possible. I had to change my point of view and I went to just another direction, which is that I decided to go myself and to join a team of international people who would fly zero gravity flight at the same time as me, meaning that I became member of a team of 14. And it was at that time, 12 Russians, one German guy and me as a Swiss guy, meaning it was almost only Russian team plus two strangers. And uh, I made it in 2016 in Moscow, in Star City, and I could leave uh, 10 parabolas of 25, 28 seconds of uh, pure whitelessness. And this was for me uh, like uh, the bell ringing in my head telling me, wow, this is what I want to do. This is my dream. This is the goal to reach, to do it again, to do it longer. And I launched almost everything from 2016. I decided to make a Swiss space tourism. I decided to write a book, uh, how to become a space tourist, to create an association that will uh, gather all people who are fans of space, who wants to fly to space, who maybe can get a chance to go with me. This was the main uh, challenge for me. So now after uh, 
five years almost. I mean, association is absolutely uh, working. We are not so much, I mean, around 80, 80 members, but uh, internationally speaking, we start to be uh, somehow famous. When it's a question concerning space tourism, I have journalists, uh, TV, radio, who are contacting me in order to have my point of view about space tourism, because I had this possibility to, to go three times uh, in Russia. And during these three times, I was in Star City, and I used uh, several of the training facilities for the real cosmonaut. It's not Disneyland, you know, it's not uh, for kids. It's the real facilities to train a Russian cosmonaut and American astronaut before they go to International Space Station. So for me, this was really a discovery which told me, okay, I'm not a professional astronaut, but I can train the same level as they are doing, just depending on the budget, how much you can pay will give you how much you can do. If you are rich in six months, you can get to the level when you are okay to go to the International Space Station, six months of training. The price is expensive, it's 2000, no, not 2000, $250,000, 250000. You pay this amount and you get full training to go to International Space Station. But after you need to buy your ticket and ticket to go to International Space Station, it's around uh, $35 million, huh? it's not the same. But I mean, you can do everything if you have enough uh, money to do it. Voilà, so this is more or less how it all started. I can only imagine the adrenaline rush, who wouldn't want to relive it? So what was your family's role in it? How did the support matter to you? Uh, okay, back to uh, Sukhoi 27. I was very young at that time. I was 25 years old. And uh, to have a young guy, 25 years old, climbing inside the Sukhoi 27 was like a, a dream coming to reality. Because I always wanted to become a fighter pilot, but as I told you, I had uh, glasses and uh, it was not good for a, a military pilot. It was really closed door for me. But I still had this wish and this intention to fly inside a Sukhoi 27. And this was possible if I was paying for it, if I was medically fit for it, and if I was able to get my visa to go to Russia. So I managed to deal with these three points again. And once uh, all the lights were green, I said, let's do it. I mean, it's a chance of my life. So I went for five days in Russia. It was not at that time in Star City. It was uh, in a military airbase of uh, Zhukovsky, uh, where I pulled the... Uh, reach there uh, two type of aircraft. The first one was a training uh, jet called uh, LET-39, where I made uh, on one day my first experience, 30 minutes of flight uh, aerobatic. It was really tough, really difficult. I started to understand what it is to, to get the G-forces. Uh, and uh, I remember that when I finished, uh, I was looking very tired, but I did not vomit. I was absolutely okay, you know? There are some very nice videos. If you go to my uh, YouTube channel, uh, you just put my name, uh, Otter Boris, uh, and you will get those videos. It's absolutely amazing. And the next day, I, when I came to the military uh, airport and I saw this Sukhoi 27 in front of me, I, I could not believe my eyes, thinking, wow, I have possibility to go inside this aircraft. I just want to show you a little photo taken from my book, but this was really, for me, the best uh, fighter uh, aircraft 
they are docking just uh, like this. You know, one is moving, one is not moving, and you need to to connect with International Space Station. So I was doing it myself with instructor, and it was one more guy who told to my son, "Come, come, you do also." And he was next to me doing the same on the other simulator. That was just crazy. I mean, uh, he was not supposed to to do it, but they gave him this possibility. And uh, he was following me also when I was putting on the so-called space suit, which uh, is the one all cosmonauts use to go inside the Soyuz rocket. And to know that your son is watching you with such a big eye, thinking, wow, Papa, Papa cosmonaut, you know, it's, uh, I was very proud of this moment. My wife was behind also. But honestly, I will tell you that uh, if I am flying to space, She's like, I think, uh, all wives afraid of what could happen in case of incident major. This, I would not lie, but uh, my dream is to fly with Blue Origin. And, you know, they have a system of ejection of the capsule, which yeah. means that if something is happening, you can save yourself uh, easily, let's say like this. So I, I do trust that uh, the technique is uh, working perfectly so that it should save my life. Only things that could lead to catastrophe is parachute. If the parachute are not opening for any reason, then uh, it's nothing to slow you down and you will, uh, you will crash yourself. This is only unsafe part, I would say myself. I think it's safe to say that the ejection system works well and we hope nothing goes wrong. Ah. In space, you never know. Huh? We had uh, already some uh, bad experiences. Uh, after, it's a question of chance. You need to be in the correct place at the correct time huh? and not uh, to the one who will have problems. Well, it would be worth the risk. Now we have some questions from our followers. One of the first question is that in what different ways will space tourism be beneficial to us? Or as, that, or as till now, space missions have been for the sole purpose of science and research. How does space tourism fit into that picture? Does it offer any other kind of advantages? So space, uh, it's always a question, what space tourism will give us benefit to uh, humanity? Actually, it's not only the question of space tourism, because all what is connected with space is giving some benefit. I'm giving you an example. You want to go out uh, for the weekend and you want to check the weather. What you are using? You are using a satellite, satellites that are turning around uh, the planet that were sent by our rockets. This is the first point. You want to make a phone call uh, from a lost place uh, uh, in your country. It's not working with a normal uh, iPhone or Samsung or whatever, then you use a uh, Telephone wire satellite, it's the same. It's just two small examples. Or you can watch TV channels also, going via satellites. After, it's also as a part of uh, how to uh, reuse the things that uh, normally are not supposed to reuse. I give you an example of water. You are inside International Space Station. You, ca you cannot open uh, the tap and to get water just like this. I mean, this water should come from somewhere. So they bring some water, but after uh, astronauts go to toilets, they made a special uh, system uh, cleaning of uh, what you did in the toilets and they drink their own uh, water again somehow. So this is also space technology that can be used on ground. If suddenly you are in desert and you don't have this possibility, but you have a system that is cleaning uh, what uh, you are doing in, in, uh, in the toilet, this is space technology. Also, if you need to go uh, to toilet, but it's broken, Inspiration 4, they just had this problem in space. It's not working. What you do? If space technology is providing you some special equipment which can help you 
not to use real toilets. It's again something that can be used on ground for uh, old people or for uh, people who cannot go to toilets because of their duty. I'm thinking uh, about uh, pilots or uh, train drivers. You know, they cannot stand from their position. This this is also technology. Food. If you cannot take too much heavy food because you need to walk a long way, but you take food that is uh, uh, without water. And when you get to the place where it's water, you can add water to your food and uh, you eat it like this. It's uh, also space technology. So I see a lot of positive points. And also now we are speaking about uh, ecology. You know, uh, is space tourism something uh, that will uh, not damage too much planet? Uh, but send some uh, politic people uh, in space and they will come back completely changed. Because if you have this chance to see the planet from space, then you will realize, wow, planet is so beautiful, but thin layer of atmosphere, we should protect, and people will change in their mentality. All astronauts are telling the same, it's called uh, the overview effect. Once you have seen planet from uh, 100 kilometers or more, you get a kind of shock in your face, which will uh, show you how it's fragile and how you need to protect. So for me, I'm convinced that all people going to space will come back changed, positively changed and will have an impact directly uh, on space. I will give you an example. Leonardo DiCaprio, international actor, he's absolutely uh, pro-ecology and he wants to go to space also. I think he wants to see what it is to understand that he's right, but he's not telling about uh, pollution that will be uh, probably made by the rocket or CO2 that will be produced. So even ecologists are ready to go to space, meaning it's a good sign. Absolutely. I do believe that going to space will open people's eyes. It truly shows us that how we all are part of one entity and it's our responsibility to protect it. As you know, there's a sentence trending, space for everyone. While considering the cost of space tourism, we know that it comes to millions of dollars, which is only affordable by the elite of the elite people. How can this line be justified when it is not affordable by many? No, no, no. Space is not for everyone and uh, will probably never be for everyone. I mean, the one who are going to International Space Station are the 1% of the one percent of the richest. So it's very, very few people who can afford, first, financially, second, medically, and third, let's say, politically, because maybe they are not uh, authorized to go to space because they are a big boss of a company and they must be uh, safe and protected on ground. Okay, this is another point. But uh, space tourism, if you make a suborbital flight, it will be open to more people. Let's say that it's between uh, seven to uh, 8,000 people who can afford at this time at the price of $250,000 for a suborbital flight. But price will uh, increase because uh, Virgin Galactic they just informed the future potential clients that the price should go up to $450,000, meaning it's almost uh, twice more. So it's less people who will be able to afford it. And uh, like this, they will be able to, to finalize all 600 people who already paid, because those people, they paid for their ticket, but they are not uh, able to fly yet. So how they cool down a little bit uh, their uh, people, because they want to fly, but they are not able for the moment. And what I see is that 
people who doesn't have as much money, they have some chances to fly by two or three different ways. First, if you are very lucky, you play lottery and you win lottery. Then you get a lot of money and you are really lucky people. Second possibility, second options, you find a sponsor. By sponsor, I mean, for example, uh, a rich company who wants to make a lot of advertisement for uh, this company and doesn't want to pay just an uh, advertisement company. But if you are connected with someone who is going to space and you are telling, I am sending this person to space, you, I'm the sponsor, it will be an international buzz. And it's uh, one woman called uh, Johanna Maslinger, she's captain on a Boeing 777 uh, cargo aircraft in Austria, Australian, Australian. and uh, she's sponsorized by Red Bull. Red Bull, it's uh, the drink, you know, they're very famous for uh, aviation, yeah, you can drink this Red Bull things, and they are paying ticket of uh, this Johanna Maslinger to go to space, to International Space Station, and to come back. And it should work on 2022 or 2023. But if it's working, Red Bull will make an international buzz like never. And I think this is the best way to improve image of your company by being able to send to space someone who is not even maybe your employee because she's, a, she's not employee of Red Bull, this woman, she's pilot. So second point was to find a sponsor. Third point, to be lucky. Again, one more time. You can be chosen, for example, for Inspiration 4 uh, by a random uh, number of people because you make a donation, make a donation to uh, an hospital and uh, they choose one of the donators and say, you, you can come with us, we go to space. Wow, it's miracle. He's paying nothing, the guy. And it's also this, uh, <coughs> excuse me, this woman uh, who was sick, she had cancer and she was not supposed to go to space, but they gave her the chance, free of charge, because she was a survivor of cancer, to prove that it is possible for anybody, even if you have uh, some disabilities, to go to space. And the last one, it's uh, another woman who was uh, making a very nice video showing a lot of motivation and of interest. She was also chosen and paid nothing. So three people went to space, invited by uh, Jared Isaacman, who is a billionaire, because he wanted to share this moment. And somehow Swiss Space Tourism is doing the same since 2019, because my dream is to go to space, but I don't want to go alone. My goal is to take a full capsule with six seats on board. I will take one and I will have five seats available. And the idea is to find the correct sponsor who will be ready to put, let's say, 3 million US dollars to book the capsule and he can put whoever he wants inside. If he wants to put uh, his best clients, okay. If he wants to put uh, the president of the company himself, okay. Or he can put also his best employee, okay. I'm ready to organize and to coordinate everything with Swiss Space Tourist, but the sponsor should be ready to help financially behind. He will get all success and me, I will get the flights. It's a win-win. And this is something that can be done in every country, you can do it in India, you can do it in Switzerland, you can do it in Germany, in the USA. If you find rich company who wants to get famous and to succeed and to show what is success, then they should put the money on the table and they will uh, send someone to space. This is the next goal of Swiss Space Tourism. That is amazing. You can definitely sign me up for a seat next to you. 
I will Are you invited to, to join the Swiss Space Tourist if you want? Uh, fill in the registration form. I'm inviting you free of charge. Oh, thank you, you, so thank you so much. To the cost, do you think in near future the cost of space travel can come down? As you know, SpaceX Starship plans to commute anywhere on the planet within just one hour of time. So do you think by initiatives like this, the cost can come down and people can go for suborbital flights? Honestly, my point of view uh, is no. I, I don't think it will go down enough to permit everybody to go to space. It, it may go down after several year, years uh, once uh, the company who are sending people to space, like Virgin Galactic, Blue Origin, SpaceX, uh, will be able to make money because now they are losing money. They don't have uh, much clients who paid so far, so they just lost money somehow. They created everything, but did not make any benefits, any revenue. So that's why uh, Virgin Galactic is increasing the price from 250,000 to 450,000 US dollars because they still uh, need uh, to get back all what they uh, put inside the company. I think that if it will go down, it will be between uh, eight, 10 years maybe, but the price, I mean, you cannot reduce uh, the safety of a space uh, travel uh, by uh, using uh, equipment that are less expensive. I mean, you need to use the best quality equipment, uh, which is most of the time the most expensive safety has uh, no cost. I mean, this is the number one uh, measure. So how they could reduce the cost? They cannot reduce the number of staff, neither. It's not much ways. I mean, uh, if it will descend, it will descend uh, not low enough for uh, anybody to go to space. You know, it's, it's, it's not like uh, aviation when you have uh, some company low cost uh, that uh, for uh, $50, you can make a flight. Uh, it will never be like this. It will be always between, uh, let's say, $100,000 to uh, $250,000. It will not go uh, lower. I don't think so. No, you, you cannot start to think, uh, I will wait 10 years uh, to be able to pay my ticket at the cheapest rate. Uh, Hardly, hardly, because if they put the price down, it will be so much people who wants to do the flight that it will be queue for uh, four, five, six, seven years, you know? Everybody will uh, wish to do it. So I don't think it, it will stay and remain for uh, elite, the richest people or the most lucky people who will be able to, to fly. But I don't think, you know, it will never reach uh, such a low point that uh, uh, we all can afford. I don't think. Yes. It's going to take a lot of time before common people can take those flights. Well, now, let's talk about the constitution, rules and regulations in space. Is it going to be like buying a phone where you have purchased it, and but once you start using it, notification pops up saying your free space is used and kindly pay more for storage? So let's just imagine I go to a space hotel. Upon arrival, I'm told that my package includes one hour of free oxygen, and after that, I have to pay 50,000 USD more for it. Do I still have any of my basic rights in space? If yes, who fights for it? Actually, space uh, is a place uh, where it's almost uh, no regulations. Uh, it's something that must be done by uh, all uh, international uh, states because nothing is clear. I mean, if you are sending humans to uh, planet Mars and is landing, if he's telling, okay, I put my feet here, I'm owning all the planet Mars. Is it legal? Is it not legal? Well, it's not clear. Nothing exists. I mean, it's uh, 
Okay, Moon is somehow protected by a special treaty, the treaty that was made in 1960s, but this is definitely something uh, once uh, space tourists will reach uh, a point uh, where uh, tourists can go to uh, the moon or uh, to make a permanent uh, uh, lunar base. In this case, something should be written to clarify who can do what. And if it's some uh, crimes, let's say uh, two astronauts are killing each other or uh, killing someone else, what will be uh, the law in charge? Is it the law from the country of the astronaut? Is it the law from the country from where they departed? Is it the law from the moon side? This is also one part that is uh, very important to uh, make uh, space tourism and space travel safer somehow in the future. Uh, we are not able to do it ourselves, of course. Uh, it's a question of, uh, of lawyers, international lawyers. They will use probably uh, aviation rules that are already existing and to create a document, but it needs to be approved by all uh, uh, countries who will be able to send either some uh, tourists or, or astronauts uh, or uh, employees, staff, whatever. Yes, it must be done. This is not existing, let's say like this. So, when do you think will the countries and private corporations come together and discuss to make universal laws for everyone? Well, it's, it's not very clear the questions. It's about all countries that are making a constitution, something like this. Yeah, a, 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 a common rule book to be followed in space by everyone, including private companies and countries. But it should be uh, like in aviation. I mean, it's uh, uh, one rule that should be the same for everybody. You cannot make a one rule per country. As far as space is an international uh, open space, let's say like this, it should be the same for space tourists. It should be the same for professional astronauts, professional cosmonauts, and all people should apply as per the same uh, regulation, which is uh, like in aviation. I mean, the main point will be uh, safety first. Uh, and uh, to have correct uh, attitude and behavior in space. You cannot uh, start to make a, a mess uh, once you are in space. Maybe you saw with Inspiration4, they had some uh, constraint system. I mean, if someone was not behaving good inside uh, the capsule, it was possible to, to, to attach hands like this yeah. so that he's not making any harm to the rest of, uh, of uh, the, the astronauts. So, one rule should be done and the same rule for everybody. Like these things are much more clear. Absolutely. And talking about the near future, in 2024, the Artemis, Artemis mission is coming up. Do you think in progress to sustain life on the moon, we will soon start to live on the moon, forming a lunar base? Will it be a part of tourism someday? Okay, so I think that it will be lunar bases. Uh, maybe not in 2024, it seems a little bit too early for me, but within the decade, it will be possible to uh, have people living uh, on the moon's surface. And it will be probably also a space station that will orbit around the moon and where all uh, facilities in case of uh, incident will be available, either to permit to the astronaut living on the moon to go back to the space station and then back to Earth, uh, or to provide help from the space station. Now you are asking if it would be possible for tourists to go there. Look, if I'm telling you, uh, Yuza, Yuzaku Maezawa, Japanese, Japanese billionaire, he should fly to the moon, orbit around the moon and come back. 
So technically speaking, uh, we will soon be able with SpaceX uh, to send tourists behind uh, the, the moon, meaning that the next step will be uh, to land on the moon. And this will be only a question of money. Who can afford such uh, experience and such travel? If it's not a state, then it will be uh, billionaires. And if billionaires, they want to spend two billions US dollars for their uh, own uh, dream, they will do it. And physically, they can be trained like uh, any uh, astronaut. So yes, it is an option. It is possible, but only for the richest of the richest. Yeah. So in coming future, whoever wants to go there will really need to work hard for it. Yeah, you you can do everything. I mean, I saw when I was in Star City, I can I can train inside a MiG-29, a Sukhoi-27. I can put all spacesuit, uh, Orlan spacesuit, that is the one to go outside International Space Station. I can make uh, uh, extravehicular activities inside a big swimming pool where it's a mock-up of International Space Station. You can put it and go downstairs into the water like if you were in space. You can do a centrifuge. You can make flight simulator. All is possible. It's only the same question. Do you have money to pay for this training or for this activity? If you can pay, it will be always someone behind who will help you to reach your dream and your goal. But uh, it costs money. And this is uh, the only point that is refraining normal people, let's say, to dream to go to space. Because you need to choose either to buy a house for your family uh, or to spend uh, all money that you were getting in your life to fly to space one time. It's a very difficult choice. I mean, if you are a father with kids, uh, you cannot think just about yourself. You need to think about family, but you can find other ways, like to find a sponsor. That's exactly what I am doing. I'm trying to find sponsor who will help me financially and in a reward it will get a international marketing campaign that will put forward his company his president his staff everything will be done for him but he need also to pay for that everything comes at a price we understand that it is your goal to participate in the 2021 to 2022 suborbital flight which will allow you to cross the common line and officially make you a space tourist. How excited do you feel for this trip? And what's the one thing you look forward to the most once you're up there? Okay, so what is interesting, you are speaking about the uh, Karman line. Karman line, it's the limit between uh, atmosphere and space at 100 kilometers of altitude. Virgin Galactic, they are not able to reach this limit. They fly at 90 kilometers maximum because they don't have enough fuel to send their spacecraft above this uh, Kerman line. Meaning that officially they cannot have the status of a commercial astronaut or, 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 or astronaut. They will always be below this limit. The only one, no, actually it's two. It's SpaceX and Blue Origin who are crossing this, uh, this uh, Kerman line. And once you are flying with those two companies, you became officially a commercial astronaut or a space flight participant also, you can use this name. But it is also very important in this case to choose the correct company if you want to fly to space, because if you pay $250,000 to fly with a, 
Richard Branson, Virgin Galactic Company, and you are not crossing Carman Line, then you are failing something, I, I will say, because you, you can see the Earth, you have an overview effect, but you are still below this 100 kilometers. You know, it's like if you want to, to, to pass Mach 1 with an aircraft to say, I went above Mach 1, but you stop at 900 kilometers per hour, you did not reach your goal, you are still below, you know. So for me, it is a must to cross Kármán line. And if you are lucky enough to make an orbit, then it's even uh, much better because you are reaching uh, the, the, the very few quantity of men who were able to orbit around the Earth, like uh, Yuri Gagarin did. <clears throat> Back to the first American to space, uh, it was Alan Shepard. This guy, he just make a suborbital flight. He went above and descended immediately. He made, uh, I don't know, 160 kilometers, something like this. But it was still a suborbital flight. Yuri Gagarin, he was orbiting around the planet. He made a full uh, round. This is really something important. Either you are passing the Kármán line and then you are becoming officially an astronaut, or you are below and you are making a very nice flight, but it's a very nice flight, it's nothing official. Absolutely. We wish you the best from India and we hope you become one of the space tourists. Thank you very much. I'm doing my best to succeed and I have still a lot of energy to, to reach this goal because it's not easy, you know, like uh, uh, Kennedy, he would say, it is not because it is easy that I want to do it, but because it is hard. Absolutely. We now have one last question for you. What advice would you like to give to all the space enthusiasts out there? Okay, so first you need to be positive because if you start to think negative, you will never reach your goal. Second, if you want to succeed, uh, you will need either to have uh, enough money to pay for your own tickets or to try to find a sponsor who will pay the ticket for you or to be uh, very, very clever and to create your own company like uh, billionaires are doing to create your own spaceship or to apply as an official uh, astronaut. I mean, in India, you have some uh, astronauts, Viamonauts, uh, who can uh, also be sent to space and to be paid for that. This is also an option. And if you are uh, also interested in following up uh, what is happening in Swiss space tourism, I will say that join Swiss space tourism and you will see that we are moving forward slowly, but surely we are moving forward. The goal is to send uh, not only me, but uh, five people with me. So if Swiss space tourism is getting enough money, about five, uh, so five of our members will uh, join me uh, on board the spaceship. So let's stay positive. Let's say it can happen. You know, you are not playing lottery to lose. You are playing lottery to win. For space, it's the same. You play for your ticket. I think it's the best advice you can give to our listeners. Thank you so much, Mr. Boris, for joining us today. And we wish you all the best in your mission. Okay, thank you for hosting me. It was really nice. I like very much. Bye bye. So see you next time. Thank you so much. We would also like to thank our listeners for supporting us. Stay tuned with NSS Mumbai for more upcoming events.